Now I'm going to let you on a little secret. Y'all ready to be on a little secret? Since we are the elite, the chosen, the few, be ye ne'er so vile. That's Shakespeare, y'all. I'm not it is insulting. That um, we call our Sunday mornings services, don't we? Why do we do that? Who are we serving? So that's why we call them gatherings. Instead of serving, we're not here to be served. We're here to gather to exalt Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? That, that's why. So I'm going to talk more about that in a little while, and I'm going to tell you, say some stuff to you guys about why we do what we do, and I think you're going to go, oh, oh, that makes a lot of sense because it's not about us. Are y'all, are y'all right? Who's it about? Jesus. That's about Jesus. Everything we do is about Jesus and how we become like him. It's written on the board up there. It is our reminder. Everything we do is about Jesus and how we become like him. Let's say that together. Everything we do, Jesus and how we become like him. Do y'all believe that? Okay. We're going to do whatever it takes to honor King Jesus, right? As your pastor, I'm going to do whatever it takes to encourage you to live all for Jesus. You got that? Why do I do that? Because I love you. That's right. Not because I'm paid to. It's because I love you. And also God called me, asked me, he assigned me to do this. So we're going to have some fun tonight. So I'm glad you guys are back. Jake's here so we can start. Yeah, you did, buddy. That's good. You look like the Easter bunny threw up on you. That's good. (laughs) All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for those that are here tonight. And I pray, Father, you will help me say the things that need to be said to encourage these people that I love and you love even more. So thank you that our hearts may be open to understand and to go on this great adventure with you. And we pray this all in your son's strong name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, turning your your books in now to session two, reaching our community. We're going to be talking about reaching people for Jesus. Now, the reality of, of the reality today is most churches don't grow; they swell. They swell. You know, there's a difference between growing and swelling. Don't you know that? They swell by adding other Christians. You grow by adding non-believers, by people coming to Christ. For the first year and a half here at our church, we did not grow. We swole. That's what we did because we were attracting other Christians. Now, for the last five months, we have been growing. Why have we been growing? Because we're seeing people come to Christ and be baptized and take next steps with Christ. It's so exciting what I see God's doing. And it's people that we would have never, ever, ever, ever thought would come be a part of our family, isn't it? Do you know that several years ago, about two years ago, we did the game plan, and I asked you to dream dreams, and say, we did this practice, we will see a day, and I asked you to put things on sticky notes, and we stuck them up on the wall. We did this vision exercise. And one of the things stuck up on the wall was that we would be a multi, uh, multinational Church, I laughed. How in the world could we be multiracial, multinational church? Wimberley is 98% white. Did y'all know that? How in the world could we do that? 
Well, God put Gary Job Corps in our lives. And the majority of people that are coming to Christ are not white. They're African or they're uh, Hispanic or they're Chinese. And so God, in his wisdom, has brought these people to us. And let me tell you something about Gary Job Corps. 1,300 kids down there, they rotate out. We continue a ministry down there. We could literally change the face of a generation in a few months. Isn't that something? And we've got some of the best and brightest who are volunteering and working at Jerry Job Corps. If some of you are going on Thursday night to lead groups down there, would you stand up? I want people to see you. Just stand up. Come on. Y'all stand up. Come on. Come on. Stand up. Stand up. You see these folks? Just give them a big round of applause. They didn't look for that. But that is really hitting the heart of the matter. But we're also seeing other people come. Church growth is not adding Christians from other churches. Church growth is seeing people come to Christ. Now, what's the secret of reaching unchurched or lost people? What's the secret? Well, do you know why most churches don't reach unchurched or lost people? Because none of them are attending. That's why. They have preconceived notions about church. They, uh, they, have, they have preconceived notions about Christians. They have preconceived notions about Baptist. What kind of preconceived notion do you think they have about Baptists? We don't have any fun. They just don't know us, right? What else? It's, it's the legalism, right? Don't smoke, don't drink, don't dance, don't chew, don't go with women who do, right? But the truth is, Baptists really... Now get this, I'll give you a little more background. The name Baptist was given to us in the 1500s by the Anglican church as a diminishing label. They called us those baptizers, those baptizers. And really what we were, we were people of the book. We believed scripture was our authority. We had no creeds other than scripture. That's why if you go to a lot of other churches, you'll quote a a creed, won't you? Like the Apostles' Creed or some other creed, the Nicene Creed or some other creed. We're never going to quote, quote a creed here. Why? Because we're people of the book. Now, are those creeds found in the scripture? Yes, but they are not authoritative as scripture, and we are people of the book. So I want to say this. We are biblicist more than we are Baptist. Is that, is that clear? Any questions? Does that hurt anybody's head? Now, does that mean I'm ashamed of being a Baptist? No, no. But we are biblicist more than we are Baptist. Now, we do baptize. Why do we baptize after conversion? Why do we baptize by immersion after conversion? Why do we do that? The Bible says to do that, right? So it's not a denominational thing. It's a Bible thing. Why do we ask people to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? It's in the book. It's a Bible thing, right? I heard a preacher say once that God has children. He has no grandchildren. Now, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? My good friend, Larry Adams, who's sitting right there, asked me a question yesterday. found it very compelling. He said, Scott, when the Roman centurion at the crucifixion said, surely this must be the Son of God. 
You remember that, that quote from Scripture? Surely this must be the Son of God. He said, was that his profession of faith or was that his declaration of what was reality? I think it was his declaration of reality. I don't think that Roman soldier, from what we know about, gave his life to Christ. He just admitted Jesus was Lord. Jesus is God. You know what the trouble with Texas is? There's so many people who know about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. They've acknowledged the fact that he is God, but they've not given their life to him as Lord. Are are y'all with me on that? And so we have to be careful that we don't educate people about Jesus, but we help them be transformed by Christ and his love. Are y'all with me on that? So it's God's job to save them. It's our job to join God in what he's doing. So we need to think about, okay, how do we reach people? In this session, I want us to look at five principles for sharing five ways for fishing for men. Remember, Jesus said to Peter and John, from now on, you'll be what? Fishing for men. Here's the five principles. Know what you're fishing for. Learn how to think like a fish. Go where the fish are. Find the fish that are hungry and use more than one hook. Now, here's Jesus' strategy for, for fishing for people. And here's that's five strategies. So in, in Matthew 10 and in Luke 10, Jesus gives those highlights. Now, I want to get further than I got last night, so I'm not going to read those passages. You can read them on your own, okay? Y'all agree to do that? Okay, so know what you're fishing for. Here, here's the first thing. Know what you're fishing for. You must identify who you're trying to reach. You must clearly identify who you're trying to reach. If you ask the typical church member, who is your church trying to reach, what would they say? The lost, okay? Oh, we, we would say we want to reach how many people? The world, everybody. We want to reach the lost. We want to reach the world. Did y'all hear about uh, Charlie Brown? He was shooting arrows at the barn and then drawing a bullseye around where the arrow hit. And it, it worked. It made him feel better. Somebody who's looking at external evidence didn't realize the, the practice he was using to, to, to reach his goal. And the thing is that we say things like, we want to reach the world. And that's great. We do. We want to reach everybody. That's great. We do. But we have to identify who is here that, don't, don't, that doesn't know Christ. Now, if the statistics I shared last night are accurate, which they are, a little bit lower here in Wimberley than there are in other places. 95% of our community is unchurched. 95% of our community. Now, that's shocking, isn't it? And in Austin or other metropolitan areas, 85%. The, the bigger the city, the, the, uh, the lower the unchurched rate. Why? Because there's more churches. More churches. And you say, well, there's thousands. Of ch- there's just, in Wimberley, there's eight or nine churches. We got plenty of churches. Yeah, we got eight or nine churches with about 15 or 20 people attending each one of those churches. And they get mad and they split and they go form another church. Right? My dad said this once. He said, Baptists are like cats. If you hear them fighting, there's going to be more of them. (laughs) So it's that paying attention to what we're fishing for. Everybody, we want it. And the fact is, no church can appeal to everybody. No church can appeal to everybody. It takes all kinds of churches to reach all kinds of people. Now, that is not very Baptistic in tradition. 
Because we say, well, the Methodists can't reach people. Well, they, they certainly can. Or, or the Catholics, well, they certainly can. It's harder, but they certainly can. Or, or the Presbyterians, well, they're all predestined anyway, so it's fine. It's a little Presbyterian joke. You know, or the Charismatics, they're too busy hopping up and down to reach people, and that's kind of judgmental, isn't it? So it takes all kinds of churches. That's why we work with people who call, claim the name of Christ regardless of the denomination. The kind of fish you want to catch will determine everything you have in your sharing strategy. Your sharing strategy. My daughter is calling me right now. Hold on. Sorry, I can't talk right now. Okay. She'll get back with me. Or she'll call her mother. The answer will be the same. The request will be the same. So if you're going to fish for, uh, if you're going to fish for a bass, that requires a different bait than you're going to use for catfish, Right? You have to use something flashy and shiny for bass and something stinky and grimy for catfish. Are y'all with me? Y'all ever been fishing for catfish? We could move to Oklahoma and you could fish for catfish with your arm. It's called noodling. They stick their hand up there, the catfish comes and bites it, your hand, and you pull it out and you caught your fish. Well, actually, the fish has caught you. Only in Oklahoma. If you're going, are you, so you have to, are you going after teenagers? You're going after young couples? Are you trying to reach single adults? Are you trying to reach senior adults? Are you trying to reach intellectuals or farmers or military people? Who are you trying to reach? You better figure out your target to know what you're fishing for. What I'm telling you right now is not some new marketing scheme. It's not. Evangelical targeting is old as the New Testament. Jesus did it. Paul did it. Jesus first defined his target in Matthew 15, 24. Jesus had his target in mind. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Wait a second. Doesn't Jesus love anybody? He does, but he was launching the movement with the people of Israel, and then it would spread out from there. He was starting at the place of highest efficiency and spread out from there. Why? Because biblical theology is, is rooted, Judaism is rooted in biblical theology. So Jesus wanted to start with a people that had an understanding of his heart and his intent, and then it spread from there. It spread from there. Isn't that interesting? Jesus says, I wasn't sent to the Gentiles. Why? They didn't have the theological understanding to grasp that he was Messiah. Now, later they did, didn't they? As the Holy Spirit came to them, as Paul, Saul, Paulus, Remember that? Saul to the Jews, Paul to the Gentiles, as this brilliant Roman Jew spread the gospel. Paul said this way, I become all things to all people, so I may tell them about Christ and let Christ save them. So Jesus had this target in mind. Paul defined his, individual, his evangelistic target. He said this, Paul had a clear target. I've been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as Peter has to the Jews. When Jesus sent out his disciples, he gave them a clear evangelistic target. He said this, don't go among the Gentiles or any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. There again, going to the people with theological understanding. Why did he do this? Jesus targeted individuals and groups of people not to be exclusive, but to be effective. He was launching a movement that would take over the world. He gave different churches, different targets, so the whole job gets done. 
For instance, a church meeting in a retirement community is probably not meant to target young families. But a church in a retirement community that's all of a sudden flooded with young families better pay attention. I'm going to give you all some stats. Y'all like stats? Okay, I'm going to write a number on the board. I'm supposed to use my new markers. So I'm going to use my new markers. I know, i got a fancy box and everything. I'm going to write it big enough so y'all can see this. What's that number? 60. That's how many people a day are moving to Hayes County. A day. A day. We are third in the nation in growth by county. You know who's number one? Williamson County. You know who's number two? Comel County. Hayes is number three. Wow. You go from here to New Braunfels, you cut down Purgatory Road, and you go down 306. You'll see subdivision after subdivision. In fact, Johnny, you drive that way a lot. They're opening up a new subdivision just north of where you're living. As you go towards San Marcos, there's literally thousands of homes being built. Listen to me very carefully. Between here and San Marcos, 6,000 new homes are going in. 6,000 new homes. Next time you drive down to Sam's, you see all those orange, those kind of yellow tubes laying by the side of the road? That's all utilities, y'all. All of that's about to become subdivisions. Subdivisions. Dripping Springs. Next two years, 10,000 new homes are being built. Now, what is that? What, does that scare some of y'all? That's right. You know, and that's right, Jeannie. God is getting us ready to reach these people. God is always ahead of us. Did y'all know that? God is always ahead of us. And so I want to tell y'all another story. And I can't tell all these stories. My wife says, don't be telling all those stories. It eats up all your time. But the stories make it better, right? I've got a friend of mine. His name's Jace O'Neill. Jace is a movie star. He was in uh, several TV shows. He was in a few movies, and the Lord called him to preach, so he left Hollywood, he and his wife, and they moved to Virginia Beach, Virginia. And meeting with the church there, they said, we want you to plant a church, so he went out to the beach, literally the beachfront in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and he started a church on the beach, and it did not grow. Didn't grow. So he asked me to come help him to consult with him to figure out what's going on. Well, I went out there and I looked at that and I looked at the people and the people at the beach. People at the beach are transient. If they're coming, they're coming for just a few days. If they live there, they're working in service industry, so they're working on the weekends or they're vagrants. They are homeless. Now, God, homeless people matter to God, right? But it's not going to be a very effective in reaching, planning a new church unless you have some kind of external support that's going to help you with that in a, as a ministry. And I looked at Jace, and he's this movie star, good-looking guy in the beach. I said, Jace, you're the right guy in the wrong place. You're the right guy in the wrong place. You ought to be down there where all them soccer moms are 
Because they'll get their hearts fluttered and you can tell them about Jesus and they'll come to Christ. God didn't make you purdy to waste it. Of course, he hates it when I say that to him. And his little wife, they got four little kids. and they, I mean, they're just like, he's got an earned doctorate in communication. He's a great preacher. And he was languishing in church and wasn't going anywhere. So you know what he did? He moved. Finally, after three years of me telling me you're the wrong guy, you're the right guy in the wrong place, he moved. Last Easter, his church had 600 people in attendance. They moved into a building that's already too small for them. They're averaging 400 people a weekend, and most of these people are coming to Christ because he's the right guy fishing in the right pond. Do you know why? Because he moved over there where the soccer bombs are. Because it matches him. Does that make sense? Now, there's some people that have what's called the apostolic gift. You can put them anywhere, and God will use them to reach the culture there. That's the missionary gift. Mary Katie, you understand that missionary gift. Yeah, and you had that gift. You still have that gift. But here's the deal. Not everybody has that gift. Not everybody has that gift. But God knows where he places people, and we, he knows who we are and wants to put us in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing for the right people we're supposed to be in front of. Okay, are you all with that? Now, why in the world am I in Wimberley, Texas? It's because where God told me, I'm far too sophisticated for y'all. I sing opera. I speak four languages. I've got advanced degrees. I'm, I'm almost as, as eloquent as Dr. Cheatham. Because we go where God puts us, but we have to be effective there. Does that make sense to you guys? Okay, so that's, that's the end of that story. So we'll get back to this. So we have to go, have to fish where the people are. Jesus did it because he wanted to use to reach people. How do we define our target? We define our target several ways. First of all, geographically, we need to ask this question. How many people live in this area? So what we did uh, two years ago, wasn't it, Scotty? We took Wimberley and we drew a circle. We took Wimberley, we took us, and we drew a circle. We drew a two-mile circle. We drew a five-mile circle. And we drew a 10-mile circle. And then we drew a 25-mile circle. Okay, that's the circle we grew. We drew. And what we discovered that in about two miles, there's about 3,000 people. You go out five, five miles, there's 18,000. You go out 10 miles, there's 125,000 people. You got 25 miles, you're hitting Austin. This has been my experience. When God is moving powerfully in a church, people will drive 45 miles to come and see what God's doing. How many people live in a 45-mile circle of us? Two million. That's shocking, isn't it? Now, Wimberley can stay small, right? Now, remember what I said last night. It's not our business how big the church gets, right? Remember that? Whose business is it? What, what business are we in? How healthy we are. Because healthy things grow. Ask what kind of people live in this area. There's lots of people we can get information for. I want you to write down three places to go to see what kind of people are in that area, okay? I tell church planners this all the time. Three places to go. Go to Walmart. Go to Walmart and look at the people there. 
And you'll see what kind of people are the area. The second place is go to Target. Go to Target and see what kind of people are there. And the third place to go is go to Chick-fil-A because it's Christian. And you'll see you know, Christian chicken. And you'll see the kind of people at Chick-fil-A. And the people at Chick-fil-A are going to be different from the people at Walmart. But these are the people in our area. Now, we don't have a Chick-fil-A, do we? We don't have a Walmart, do we? We don't have a Target, do we? But we have one in the 10-mile radius. Tara and I were in Chick-fil-A and dripping the other day. And Chick, listen to me tell you about dripping. Dripping is full of Older adults, not old like you know me, us, but adults in their late 30s, early 40s with little bitty kids. Why? You got to make a big pile of money living dripping. The houses there are outrageous. The tax is there, 2.9% property tax in dripping. Tara and I went up there to kind of mess around. We looked at a house, and in that house, before we pay mortgage was 2000 a month to live in that house. That's just taxes, insurance, and HOAs. That's a lot of money, y'all. That's a lot of That's before you pay a mortgage. So it's that realization that these, that's the kind of people who live in Dripping Springs. You go down to San Marcos, it's a total different group of people, isn't it? You go over to Kyle, it's a total different group of people. You go to Buda, it's totally different there. So you see, you go to Austin, it's really different there. And so you have to think about who is around us geographically. Define our target culturally. One of the reasons some churches don't grow is that what I, they call what I call people blindness. They're blind to the people around them. Just like you, all right, I want to tell you this. This is something my, my staff team hates for me to say. We overlook clutter in four weeks. In four weeks. There'll be junk laying around this building. In four weeks, we don't see it anymore. Who sees it? I see it. Drives me crazy. I'm not supposed to talk about it, so I ask your forgiveness, Brother Wyatt. But here's the deal. We become blind to people. We don't see them anymore. Next time you go to H-E-B, get your eyes up and look around at the people at H-E-B. Look at them. Look at the people in line at Creekside Cookers. I've seen you there. I know you are. Because I'm there. Best barbecue in Texas. Get your eyes up and look around. Look around and you'll see who's here culturally. You have to ask, what are their values? What are their interests? What are their fears? What are their values? What are their interests? What are their fears? You need to find out their values, their interests, and fears and how do they spend their time? How do they spend their money? How often do they move? What's going on in their local economy? What is their educational background? Now, Wimberley's a strange town, y'all. Did y'all know that? We have people in the wisdom of God have fled Houston and moved out here. You know, they, they've come out of Houston, they've come here. And we've had people that lived here all their lives. We have people that are ex-hippies that live here, right? You could identify them, can't you? And, you know, uh, that's just the way they are. And I can tell you, I analyze people all the time because I want to see who they are. And so we have, a, we have a mixture of people. We have people living in Wimberley that are famous. They're famous. We have people that are infamous, right? So we have all kinds of people here. But what are their, their values and their interests and fears? 
Uh, what's going on here? And where do we get that information? Now, I told you the three places, but we can read. We can look at advertisements. We can listen to what they're listening to musically. We can address those ways. The best way to do it is talk to people. Just talk to them. Find out what's going on with them. Talk to people. And I've told you the best places is Walmart, Target, and Chick-fil-A. Define our targets spiritually. What do they already know about the gospel? What do they already know about the gospel? Determine their religious backgrounds. It's vital that we determine the religious backgrounds if they have any. What is the religious background of the people we're trying to reach? Are they Muslim? Are they Buddhist? Are they Hindu? Are they spiritual? Are there other religious influences in this community? Now, here's a fact. Not all unchurched people, all unchurched people are not alike. So we develop a, 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 typical, a profile of a typical unchurched person. This is what I've discovered. I'm, I'm, giving, I'm going to give you a profile here in a minute. That most people in Texas, in our area in particular, they're not anti-God. They know about Jesus. They're kind of anti-church. They're kind of suspicious of us because of what they've experienced or what they've heard or what they've imagined or are fake news, what they've been told, right? And so they're suspicious, but they have a background. They're not close to the gospel. They, you really need a friend who will lead them, who will lead them because people come to Jesus best on the arm of a trusted friend. When we started the church in Victoria, Texas, we were um, meeting in the mall. So the, 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 um, the Victoria Mall. In fact, the Victoria Mall is almost vacant now. We could go buy that probably for about 40 million. Started a real big church there. But I've been there and done that, so I'm not going back down there. But what we did, what we noticed that church people, they wouldn't come to the mall. They weren't coming. Because we were considered the cult in a mall. So you know who started coming? Lost people. 75% of our church was made up of brand new believers. And they became disciples of Jesus Christ because everything we do is about Jesus and how we become like him. 75% of people. For 15 years, we averaged baptizing 150 people a year. For 15 years. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? That was an average. As some In the early days, it wasn't very many. I remember the first year we started, we baptized seven. Terry got baptized three times that year. <laughs> but it, it's just, we reached unchurched people. And when we moved into our building, now get this, y'all. We were meeting in the mall. We grew to about 600. Between 2000, uh, excuse me, 1992 and 97, we grew from 39 to 600 in that period of time. We moved into our building, and overnight we went to 1,200. Overnight, we went to 1,200. And from 97 to 2007, we grew to about 2,500 a weekend in a town of 60,000, which 51% were Hispanic. That's kind of amazing, isn't it? Do you know this church is outstripping statistically that growth? Significantly. But it's not about growth. Why? Why? What's it about? It's about Jesus. It's about health. It's about health. I was back at Parkway last week. It's still a healthy, vibrant church. They now have three locations. They have the main campus. The guy I hired when he was 22 to be the youth pastor is now the pastor. And they have three locations. One in inner city of Victoria, 
and one in Port Lavaca, and of course the main campus. And they're still just doing amazingly well. I think they're baptizing more than this every year. So who are we trying to reach? Here's the sociological profile. First Baptist Church Wembley is trying to reach out to everyone who's not connected to the family of God through the local church. Our primary focus will be on those who've yet to commit to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Because this is a fast-growing and diverse area, we've identified some common characteristics of the typical person called Texas Tom and Texas Terry. Uh, someone said I should call it's Texas Tom and, and Texas Mary. But anyway, somebody asked me if that was a same-sex couple, and I said, you're not funny. <clears throat> Obviously, you don't think it is either. Okay. They prefer the casual and the informal over the formal. So our dress, our style, our speech is informal. They like contemporary music, and music and the arts are very important to them. Do you know what their number one preference of music is? Country. Hands down. Country music. I tried for a week to listen to country music. I couldn't do it. I heard songs that said, these are so stupid. Why do I want to listen to them? You know one song I heard? It said this, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. How many of y'all heard that song before? Raise your hand. Come on, be honest. All right, I see you, because you're listening to country music. And there's some good, and there's some not good, but that's their preference. They're looking for fulfillment. They're looking for meaningful relationships in order to connect, to be mentored, and cared for. They're looking for a family because most of them come from a broken family. They're, uh, they're overextended in time and money commitments. Their children are vital to their lives, controlling their time and money commitments. Travel volleyball, travel softball, travel baseball, travel lacrosse, travel whatever. They're suspicious about organized religion, its benefits to their lives, but they have a strong desire to be identified with something bigger than themselves. It's part of human nature. They're slow in making lasting commitments to church, job, and even their families. Their family life has not met their expectations. They struggle with parenting and relationships. Recreation, fitness, family, and leisure are high priorities in their lives. They have a cultural religious background, but not committed to living all for Jesus or committed to a local church. How accurate do you think that is? Pretty accurate, isn't it? And so if that's who our target is, now I wrote one of these for Canada. It looked very different because most Canadians had no religious background whatsoever. I want you to hear this, okay? People without a religious background are easy to reach for Jesus than people with a religious background because they know they're lost. And it's the, the anesthesia of exposure to Jesus. Larry, as you said, did he acknowledge Jesus or did he trust Jesus? And that could be Novocaine to the spiritual heart. You know about him, but you're not giving your life to him. 